Hi everyone, and welcome to The Seed Podcast, part of our teaching ministry here at the Central Church in Fayette, Alabama. The Seed exists for one reason only, and that is to lift up the Word of God in order that Jesus Christ might be known and worshipped as King. We invite you to join us now as we dive in to today's message. peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ who envelops us in his presence right now right now Christ is beside you to your right hand to your left hand he goes before you and behind you he's above you and below you you go nowhere apart from the presence of Christ he is ever present and he is with us and as I said again sometimes it's tough to see But it's true. It's absolutely true. We're going to jump into the meat of our series this morning. And we don't have time to talk about the half of it. So we are just going to jump right in. We're into a series on the parables of the kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom. And we're talking about the kingdom the way that Jesus talked about the kingdom. That is through preaching and teaching in parables. So this morning we're going to go straight to probably the most famous of all the parables and we'll be in Matthew 13, although you could also go to Mark, uh, Mark 4, you could go to Luke 8. John's the only one that doesn't include it and John doesn't include any parables, uh, not in the sense that we think of parables anyway. Uh, John talks about vines and fruit he talks about i am the door i am the light of the world he talks in parabolic language sometimes but he doesn't have the story parables but matthew mark and luke all have this one so it probably takes up the most real estate of any of the parables when you include the interpretation when you include some of the other comments made in the in the vicinity of this parable we're in matthew chapter 13 And in this parable, it's going to teach us not only something about the kingdom, it's going to also teach us something about the parables themselves, about why Jesus spoke in parables, about how parables do the work that they do. This this parable kind of carries a lot of weight to it. So so just settle in. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to read it from from start to finish, and then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. But just, just try to imagine. Just close your eyes. Imagine you're seated there kind of on the shore of Galilee that Jesus has got in a boat and he's pushed off a little bit. And, and I'm not even sure this is possible, but, but to the extent that you can, try to imagine hearing this for the first time. That's real tough. I know we, we have heard this parable over and over and over again. It's tough to do, but I think there's so much value, particularly for this parable, in trying to hear it for the first time. Recognizing that these people didn't know what he was saying. I mean, he doesn't even preface it with any kind of spiritual language. The kingdom of heaven is like, God is like nothing. He just starts talking and he leaves it with you. Matthew 13, here we go, verse 3. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, 
some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. It's the word of Christ. Now, again, this may be an impossible task, but I think so much of the value of this teaching, it rests in trying to understand what it would have been like to be one of those disciples hearing this for the very first time, and not knowing what he was saying, not understanding what he was trying to get across. He, he talked about dirt and seeds and farmers, and there you go. And like I said, to the, to the crowds, he never, he never turns back to the crowds and says, by the way, that was about the kingdom of heaven. He, he doesn't, sometimes he does. Sometimes he starts out a parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven, it's compared to. Doesn't do that here. Or the work of God in this world, it's, it's like, he never told the crowds what this was even about. And they didn't understand it. Which turns out to be part of what the whole teaching is about. It's a story that was misunderstood that turns out to be a story about misunderstanding. And so Jesus has made the point even more emphatically by the way that he delivered this teaching. Now, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. It's, it's very tempting to read this and think of Jesus as very cold. How could Jesus teach in such a way that he kept people from understanding what he was even talking about? That's, that's just 
cruel. It was a cruel trick that he was playing on these people. I don't want them to understand. What you need to understand about this, this story, first and foremost, it's more descriptive than prescriptive. It, it's more about the way things are than the way things ought to be. Jesus doesn't come into the situation saying, you know what, I don't want them to understand. I'm going to tell them these things in such a way that they don't understand because that's what I want. Rather, what's going on here, Jesus is saying, this is the way things are. Because of where their hearts are, they're just not going to hear. They're just not. If I got real granular and I sat down and I went point by point by point describing all these things to them, they might think they understood, but I'm telling you, because of where their hearts are, they're not. They're not. And so I teach in this kind of way that it, it really forces the issue of whether or not you're going to listen, dive in, lean in, to pursue the mystery. Or if you don't understand and you're not listening, you know what? You'll just kind of at that point say, I don't know this, this guy. And you'll go on your own way. That's why I do it the way that I do it. But, but in the midst of all that, where I want to kind of start with this parable, he, he makes this statement that's just truly astounding. And, and we kind of just ran past it, but I, I want to go back to verse 16. Because this statement, I believe, is the key to the whole parable. He tells his disciples this, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear tells his disciples, blessed are your eyes because you do see. Now, now, what is astounding about that statement is that they had just gone to him saying, we don't get it. Jesus, that, the, what was that? What was, and, and it's not so um, apparent in Matthew. You go to Luke's gospel and to Mark's gospel, and it really fleshes it out a lot better. Luke 8 and verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. They, they didn't get the parable at all. In Mark, Mark 4 and verse 13, he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? They did not see what Jesus was talking about. And yet Jesus responds, Blessed are your eyes because you see. We just told you we don't see. You're blessed because you see. What is he talking about there? One of the ways that I'm unique in my family, and, and one of the, the things that I'm, I'm proud of, I don't know if this is something worth being proud of or not, but when we're driving down one of those dark country roads, maybe going down 171 to Tuscaloosa or, or something like that, I'm usually the first and, and most of the times the only person in the car to see the deer. That's, I'm, I'm so proud of that. You had this, this uh, experience where you're going down the highway and there he comes and sometimes he's right there in the middle of the road of course you're going to see him then but you know a lot of times he's just kind of scampering off on the side of the road and I see him all the time I'm so proud that I see him and I think I'm the only one in my family that even appreciates this because like you know Priscilla will be right in the middle of talking and so I can't say anything but all of a sudden I just you know I'm driving like I, I just point and, and, of course, I point at something that she will never see. You know, she, it's too late by the time we go. Or I, I say, dear, and I get the kids all excited, which only just turns into frustration because it's dark. And by the time I say, dear, it's gone, and they never get to see it. So it's just it's a frustration. I think I'm the only person that appreciates how cool I am. I'm so proud of myself. 
that I'm so good at seeing deer. Um, and of course, you've, you've been told to look for the eyes, right? You know, when the, hot, the headlights kind of hit their eyes, they, they pop out and they gleam. And, and half the time that's true. Half the time, they're not looking at you, and so you don't see the eyes. And, and that's the ones I'm really proud of. That's why I'm, because the only way I can explain it is darkness ain't supposed to move. And, and, and like you're going down, and just this, this patch of black shifts. And, and you kind of hone in on it, and then you kind of see the rest as it scampers. And I'm really proud of those. And, and so, yeah, I've just kind of developed this. But, but to be real specific about it, to be real specific about it, did I really see that deer in detail? No, not at all. Not at all. Like, like if you gave me a lineup of five deer, I could not point it out at all. You know, the only way I'm going to really see that deer is if I go chase it down and it sits still long enough for me to shine some light on it, and then I'll really see the deer. I just, I saw that there is something there, and I identify it, and, and, and I know there's something there, even though I can't really fully explain it and describe it to you in detail. As Jesus is telling this parable, you can be sure that nobody has fully seen the deer. Nobody has fully seen the teaching, what he's trying to get across. They haven't seen it, but you've basically got two camps. Number one, people that didn't see anything at all. Number two, people that didn't really see it, but they saw that there's something there worth seeing. Something there to pursue. Something there that's, that's, that's got gravity to it. And they didn't see it, but they saw it. You understand what I'm talking about? And, and, and it's just enough for them to, to kind of lean in and say, Jesus, we didn't see it, but there's something there, isn't there? Give us more. Give us more, Jesus. And he says, blessed are your eyes because you see. That's what we're talking about here. That's what the parables are designed to do, to draw us into a mystery and to get us to admit, you know, we didn't see it, but, but that there's something there. The issue that Jesus is pushing here. It comes because he knows this about us, that we get ourselves in trouble pretending like we understand even when we have no clue. He knows that we do this. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah, 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 I saw it. And he's like, you are blowing smoke, man. You don't get it at all. It, he's, he's pushing that issue by, by preaching in that kind of way. Listen, in, in our churches historically, we've done this a whole lot. Making rules where God made no rules. Pretending to know the mind of God and what God approves or disapproves when God said zero. We've done a good job, even though we say silent where the Bible is silent. We've spoke a whole lot where the Bible is silent. Listen, it's hard enough to comprehend the mind of God when He speaks. Much less when He is silent. And to pretend to know the mind of God when He doesn't reveal it is... Well, it's arrogance. And Jesus pushes this issue right here because he knows human nature. Well, I'll say, I see it, I see it, I see it. And Jesus is like, no, no, you don't. Let me tell you a parable about seeing. We are children before him. And the most intelligent, discerning response that we can make to his mystery is to say, Lord, be merciful. I don't see. And he said, oh, now you see. <laughs> what? Yeah, now you see. So, so you got the soils in this parable. 
And I would say the first soil here is, is those who don't understand and they don't even understand that they don't understand. They don't get it and they don't even get that they don't get it. It's, it's people who have no interest in looking for deer. They are head down watching TikTok. They could care less about seeing a deer. In the passenger seat, of course, that they're not, not drivers, but it's people who are, aren't even looking, who aren't even watching. And, and he says the, the word goes in one ear and out the other. It's just snatched up before it can even do any good. Satan, he says, Satan comes and snatches away the word before it has any chance to make a difference. Satan, Satan knows the value of the seed more than these know the value of the seed. It's a powerful force sitting right on the surface. And Satan says, I better go snatch that up because I know what it'll do. But they don't know what it'll do. And, and so they just go on. And, and by the way, I find it very interesting. What is the word, by the way? Uh, you know, of course, we're talking about teachings, the word of God, scripture. I find it very interesting, though, to read this parable in the light of the fact that John says Jesus is the word. We're not just talking about people who have just heard some scriptures and it rolled off their back. We're, we're, we're talking about the experience of having Christ present to your life. Uh, of the Spirit of God impact your life in some kind of way, but you just pass Him right by because you don't appreciate it for what it is. That's this, because I'm not interested. That, that's the first response, the first soul. On the other hand, you have a couple of souls that say they understand even though they don't understand at all. The first one, Jesus says, it's rocky soil. It's the ones that say, I get Jesus. I love Jesus. My life is all about Jesus. Jesus, woo And there's all on fire for Jesus. It says they receive the word. They receive Jesus into their lives with joy, but there's no depth. There's joy, there's excitement, there's energy, there's passion, but there is no depth. They know the side of Jesus that feels good, that feels satisfying. They love the feeling of being a Jesus follower. They, they love the feeling of being spiritual, whatever that means in their own vocabulary. But they don't know the side of Jesus that calls for roots, that, that can stand when the wind is blowing and when the storm comes through, the dying to self and denying and carrying the cross side of Jesus. They, they don't have that in their life. And you can see it in the scripture. You know, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to raise in three days. And Peter said, you need to stop it. You need to stop it with all this talk of dying. And Jesus came right back. Peter, that is Satan talking. That's Satan talking. Because if you don't know me, through the cross, you don't know me. You say, I get Jesus, I get Jesus, I get Jesus, but you don't know the cross. You don't get Jesus. It's shallow. There's no depth. There's another soul that kind of goes the other way. Those that say, I understand what it means to be a disciple. I'm not into all that emotionalism stuff, but I understand what it means to be a disciple. Only they fail to make room for Jesus in their lives. He says, the cares of the world start to push out the seed. The, the, the deceitfulness of riches, just all the other the noise in my life. He says that the, the plant grows up, but it, it never does anything because it's crowded out by these thorns. 
It's people that want to win at the kingdom of God and win at the kingdom of the world at the same time. And Jesus says you can't serve both. You can't win at both. You're going to have to choose my kingdom or the other. Because that other kingdom is going to crowd out mine if you don't make space. You're going to have to say no to some things. You're going to have to put some some boundaries, some clear boundaries in your life where I have room to grow in your life. It's just not going to work. You can say you get me all the time you want, but maybe you do. Maybe you sort of understand me, but you just don't understand you. You don't understand your own limitations. You don't understand what you're going to have to say no to to be my follower. And so you see, but you don't see. The last soil, the one that actually produces fruit in the kingdom, I think Luke said it best. Luke 8 and 15, he said, These are those who hearing the word hold it fast. They hold on to it with an honest and a good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. The increase in God's kingdom comes to those who cling to the word with good hearts and honest hearts, and they allow it to work through their own lives with patience. We talked last week about that left-handed power. There is nothing more left-handed than a seed when you think about it. Think about what he's saying. The power of God's kingdom, it's like seeds. Well, what, seeds are small. Some seeds are super small. I mean, think about planting herbs. Herbs are kind of like the spice of life. But have you ever seen a dill seed? I mean, it's just tiny. It's almost like you throw it down into the ground and it's almost like it disappeared. It's almost like I planted nothing. They're small. They vanish, you cover them back over with dirt, you don't see them working. They have to die in order to do what they do. They can't stay alive, not in the sense that they would like. It's not fun to die in order to get work done, but that's what a seed does. And and it's incredibly slow. You you don't just snap your fingers and there it goes. It did what it's supposed to do. No, it's it's slow. There's life on this planet today because they do work. But it's amazing that they work when you think about how they work. That's left-handed power for you. I, um, I wasn't, this was not in my notes, but this morning I, I was, it just clicked that I had this conversation this week. And uh, it was exactly about this. Uh, that there was, um, I posted something on a, on a preacher's page about marriage helper. I just periodically like to point people to, to good help. And um, there was a brother that texted me privately. Actually, Facebook messaged me. I, he's, I don't really know, know him, but uh, we're friends on that page. And he, he messaged me privately because I'd said something about the problems with zero tolerance when you're in marriage crisis. And, and he wasn't taking issue with that because he just disagreed with me and wanted to prove me wrong he had a live issue going on in his own life and what I'd said it really just it kind of stuck in his crawl he's he's like to me zero tolerance seems like a good way to go Um, but you're saying it's not explain that a little bit and so I kind of told him a little bit of our story and and one of the things I said was you know in, in the middle of our mess when Priscilla was struggling against some things, some, some decisions in her life. She was clinging to God. She was holding on to God. And I did not see it at that moment. 
I, I remember very vividly that you know we would we were still living in the same house even though we were just in the height of crisis and um, I would hear her down the hall with her praise music just blasting and it would just make me so mad and I'd say you're 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 pretending to worship God on one hand, but then you're doing this on the other hand, and you're a fake. You're fake. And I, I just remember saying that. Our, our divorce was final. September 2017, Priscilla went to a women's conference at Church of the Highlands in September 2017. I just, I just remember thinking, there's such a disconnect. This is fake. This is fake. Because on one hand, doing this, and on the other hand, you're, you're saying you're clinging to God. Let me ask you guys. Did Priscilla cling to God? The Priscilla you know today, do you see the fruit of someone who clung to God in a dark place? Because at the moment when I was in it, I said, that's just, just the, no, that's not it. You're not clinging to God. You're not clinging to God. And I, if you'd known her then too, you might have said the same thing. Sometimes the good soul, the one that holds fast to the word, the one that the seed is under the surface doing a work with that, all that left-handed power, that you're not making it happen. It's just doing the work in God's own timing and in God's own way. You don't see it from the outside. But it's there. And it's, and it's doing a powerful work that you can't fabricate, you can't manufacture, but it's there. And I have no idea... <laughs> all the work that God is doing under the surface in my life. I have no idea how I'm going to stand faultless before the throne. There's, there's things about me I look at and it's like, am I ever going to get right? Is, is this ever going to change? As far as I can tell, I can't see it. But do I have the faith to believe that his seed is growing even though I don't see it? Sometimes holding fast to the word gets messy but you hold fast to the word. The good soul wasn't good because of anything anybody did to make it good. The good soul was good because of things they didn't do. The, of the ways they got out of the way, got the rocks out of the way, got the thorns out of the way. But what did they do to make it grow? Nothing, absolutely nothing. The seed just grew because that's what seeds do. That's the power that is inherent in the seed. And I look at my own life and, and what good soul really boils down to is just holding on to him because he'll, he'll grow. He'll do the work. Man, if I just get the rocks out of the way, if I just get the thorns out of the way, the cares of this world, my, my deceitful riches and my pursuit of things that don't really matter in the end of the... My, my shallowness in areas of my life, if I just get these things out of the way, the seed would grow. The seed would grow. Because that's what seeds do. All, I do. all I have to do is hold fast to Him. Being patient and being honest and just pursuing the mystery of Christ with humility of heart that says, Lord, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't. Lord, help me to see. Merciful God, help me to see. And He says, now you see. Now you see. It's not you. It's not your understanding. It's not your smart. When you have the humility to admit that you don't see, but you're just clinging to me openly and honestly and vulnerably, now you see. Now you see.
If you would please pray with me. Father God, I just uh, I pray that you would that you would be merciful that you would be merciful as we follow you. Father, I, I pray that you would help us to be honest and patient, open, just, just laying our lives down before you and, and understanding that we can't make your seed work. All that we can do is get out of the way of your seed. Because all the power, all the power to change this world, to change me, to change every single heart in this room, one by one, to change hearts, to change communities, to change the world. It's in your seed. Nothing that we make happen, but it's you. And Father, we are, we are so feeble. We're children. And there's so much of our lives that we spend just not seeing not understanding, but we know that it's there. Father, I just pray that you would draw us into the mystery of Christ, that you would help us to understand him more and more day by day, but by and large, that you would just give us the strength to, to, to be patient, to be vulnerable, to wait on you, and to let you do what you do. Father, we are so thankful that you are at work in the world even now. And we trust that you are. We, we pray for eyes that see and ears that hear. And we pray that, that, that you would involve us in your work as we are ready, in your timing and in your ways as we turn our lives over to you. Father, we know, we know that you have raised us up to labor in your kingdom. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would Give us the honor of working in your kingdom by your side. Turning all the glory back to you. Turning every eye back to you. Not, not pointing any attention and focus on ourselves, but pointing everybody to you. You are the light of the world. And Father, I pray that, that even when we get in those dark places, and it doesn't look like your word is doing anything, it doesn't look like there's any change. We don't see what we would expect to see or what we hope to see. Father, give us the faith even there to know that the seed is growing under the ground in ways that we don't understand. Father, as we just hold fast to you, even when we see nothing, give us the faith to believe that your kingdom is at work in our lives. Father, I, I just thank you for all these things. And many besides, you are a great God. And we trust you. We believe in your kingdom. We pray now as a church family. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We thank you again for joining us this week at Central. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified in your life today. Amen.